Welcome. We are so glad that you are with us this morning, whether you are here in our sanctuary or are joining us online. We welcome you to Riverside Presbyterian Church. We ask that you please fill out the friendship pad. Um, they're on the aisles here and at home they are, you have an online friendship pad that we ask that you fill that out, please. It's so important of us to know of your presence with us. And if you are a visitor, either again here in the worship service or online, we welcome you um, in particular today and so glad that you have chosen to join us in worship this morning. A couple other announcements to point out to you. This week on Tuesday, December 21st at 7 p.m., we have um, a blue Christmas service, and it also happens to be on the shortest day, the longest night of the year, which seems appropriate. And I know that this season can be difficult for a lot of us, and in this pandemic that we're in and the toll that it has taken on us in many ways, um, this is an opportunity to come and um, express where you might be during this season. It might not be feel like the most joyous season to you right now, and, and we really want to acknowledge that and find a place for you to come and worship where that is acknowledged. So I would really encourage you to come to that worship service. Um, there are a lot of struggles right now that we all have, and so um, we really hope to see you there. Our Christmas Eve services, we have a four o'clock service, which is um, a four o'clock, we call it the family candlelight service. And this is the one where children will come and get dressed up as characters in the story. And we will kind of act out the chaotic Christmas story out here in front. And it's just beautiful and fun, a lot of energy. You are welcome to come to that service. We also have a 7 p.m. candlelight service with communion. That is the one service that we are live streaming as well. And then um, I know several of you are excited about this. We have 11 p.m. candlelight service with communion, which we have not had in a while. So we will have that service with a prelude beginning at 10.30 p.m. Um, wanted to let you know that our schedule for December 26th, we will have one worship service at 10.30, okay? And no Sunday school. Um, and then the January 2nd service, we will have two worship services, but still no Sunday school. So look to that. Youth group is meeting tonight, 4 to 5.30, playing games with Palms Presbyterian. Um, so again, we are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Let us worship God.
Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, the Sunday in which we recall the peace we have in Christ. The Old Testament prophets proclaimed, peace to people in the midst of uncertainty and fear. They promised that God would come and be among the people, that God's power would overcome their sin and brokenness, and that God would provide for their every need. Listen to these words from the book of Isaiah. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. See the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. As followers of Christ, we can know the peace that only Jesus gives, a peace that is not of this world. We light this candle to remember that as Christ comes to us this Advent season, no matter the sorrow or fear we might feel, Christ's peace can sustain us. May this light represent us to put our trust in Christ as we watch for his return. Let us pray. Gracious God, your, your peace surpasses all understanding. Help us to trust you even when we don't understand and carry us in your bosom through the storms of this life. Help us to trust in your promises that our lives might reflect the character of the Prince of Peace. For we pray in his name, amen.
You may be seated. And now let us take comfort in being able to confess together as a congregation. Let us pray together. God of Advent hope, we confess our impatience in waiting for your promises to unfold. We have grown weary of working for your kingdom in a world that threatens to overwhelm. We are not always attentive to your presence with us, which leaves us feeling more alone than we really are. We prefer instant results to the fruits of a long obedience in your way of life. Forgive us, O oh God, and renew our strength. Help us to run the race you've set before us with perseverance as we await the day of Christ's coming. For we pray in his name. Amen. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Let us share Christ's peace with one another, acknowledging God's light within each of us. Peace be with you. Let us share with one another signs of Christ's peace. I would like to invite the children forward to come um, up to the steps. And if you are online, gather around closely. <clears throat> it's good to see you guys. <laughs> we might have a little entertainment while we're up here. So we have had a lot of baptisms lately, haven't we? If you've been here, we've see, you've seen a lot of babies get baptized. And today, Mr. James Lays over there is getting baptized. So after we're done here, you guys can stay up here and watch if you'd like before you go back to your parents, okay? But it, it's had me thinking about babies a lot. Lots of babies, and then therefore it's Christmas time, so it has me thinking about Jesus, right? When Jesus was born, people, people were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a Savior. So they were, they were kind of looking for it, but I'm gonna, I've got some things here that I'm going to put on. This is the kind of person most of them were thinking about when they thought about a savior or a messiah. 
Let's see, I've got on some royal colors here. I've got on some jewels. I was looking for, pretend I have one of those on, okay? I couldn't find it this morning. So, kind of looks like a what? A king, yeah, or a queen, yeah. But back in those times, it was definitely a king. They were thinking about the Messiah would look like a king and would be powerful and would be able to tell everybody what to do. So let's compare that to this. The Messiah looked more like that. Now, however adorable that is, does that look strong? No. <laughs> is she really vulnerable? Yeah, vulnerable means she counts on her mom and her dad for everything, right? If she were left alone, that would not be good, right? This is what, more like what the Messiah looked like. And you know what? As the Messiah grew up, as Jesus grew up and started learning and then started teaching, he still didn't look like this. What he taught about was these things over here, love, and peace that the Trices talked about. He didn't talk about power. He talked about loving people that were vulnerable, like little Emmeline here, and older people, and people who were poor, and people who were sick. That's what Jesus talked about. So these babies remind us of that message of love and peace, and not what they were thinking. Jesus was the opposite of what they were thinking, okay? Let's remember that this Christmas season. Let's have a prayer together. God, thank you that these beautiful babies remind us of the birth of Jesus and that Jesus came to teach us to take care of those who are vulnerable, who are poor and sick and older and need your love. And we pray that you help us to be those examples in this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much, guys. And if you want to, we can just kind of all sit together right here, maybe on the carpet so we're backed up a little bit, and we can enjoy this baptism as well. Hear these words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Obeying these words of our Lord Jesus and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Christ in his death and resurrection.
by water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptisms as we celebrate this sacrament. On behalf of the session, I present James Edward Stander Lays, son of Brian and Sunel Stander Lays, to receive the sacrament of baptism. And I have two questions for the parents. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you renounce the power of sin and evil and turn to Jesus Christ, accepting him as your Lord and Savior? And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach that faith to your child? And I have a question for the congregation. Do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture James by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging him to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of his church? Do we? We do. With the whole church, please stand and let us all join together and confess the faith that has been handed down to us. Little one, for you, Jesus came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered the darkness of Calvary and cried at the last, it is finished. For you, he triumphed over death and rose in newness of life. For you, he ascended to reign at God's right hand. All this God did for you, little one, though you do not know it yet. And so the word of scripture is fulfilled. We love because God first loved us. You might be seated. So one of the amazing things about sacraments and about the baptism is that it connects us to people from all over the world. It connects us to people from different countries and different cultures and different languages. And as a part of celebrating that today, and because I am from South Africa, I will be baptizing James this morning in Afrikaans, which is my mother tongue and also the language that I use to communicate with James. Will you all please pray with me? We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. You delivered Israel out of the house of Egypt through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. By the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. Pour out your Holy Spirit on James, that he may have the power to do your will and to continue forever in the risen life of Christ. Give him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and the spirit of joy in your presence, now and forever. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen.
James Edward Standerleis, verbondskind, mama doop jy vanochtend in die naam van die vader en van die seen en van die heilige gees. Amen. James, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. My love, God's love and grace will always, always be enough for you. Riversiders, we present to you the newest member of our church. This is James C. May we all remember the promises that we made to him today. And I ask you this both as his pastor and as his mother who knows that we really need you all to get him raised. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Therefore, illumine now our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we might receive with joy what you have to say to us today. These prayers we make in the name of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Amen. The Old Testament lesson today comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. I invite you now to listen for God's word to you. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor 
and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And the New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she bore a son and he named him Jesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kathy Para. 
The cubicles where the tiny guests reside are a combination of state-of-the-art medical equipment and familiar, simple items found in any home, a stuffed animal, children's books, photos of family members, notes from friends. The space is at once medical institution and home sweet home, very public and very private. And though each family's journey is its own, it spills out into the common pathway and is shared by all the other families with glimpses, smiles, tears, exhaustion, wonder, grief, joy. This is life in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. Our granddaughter Harper was born October 16th, 2019, seven and a half weeks early. A day after her arrival at St. Vincent's, she was moved to the NICU of Wolfson Children's Hospital. Our daughter Kimberly, Harper's mother, was discharged from St. Vincent's that same day, and instead of going home, she and her husband Patrick followed Harper over to Wolfson to wait. To wait for her initial evaluation, for her admission, for her room number, to be able to see her. Bud and I waited at home for updates, as did her other grandparents. We waited, and in the days and weeks ahead, we waited. We waited for God's healing hand that would help Harper's little body continue to develop in this controlled environment instead of in the womb. We took shifts, and we waited, and we watched. We watched Harper's oxygen levels as her lungs took over for the ventilator. We watched the strength and rate of her heart. We waited for those vital functions to happen unassisted by machines. We waited, and as she grew stronger and gained the stamina to be able to swallow enough calories to grow without a feeding tube, we waited. We waited with all the patience, humility, and hope we could muster. We waited for God's outcome, and we prayed that it aligned with the one we wanted. And really, it was clear that although we waited on God's timing, we knew God was with us and was already preparing us for whatever that outcome would be. We knew that God's heart was beating with Harper's and his love and wisdom surrounded her and her caregivers and us. We waited, we watched, we prayed, we hoped, and many of you did all those things with us. As people of God, we don't wait alone. Halloween came and went, Thanksgiving, her original due date, Advent, Christmas. We waited. On New Year's Eve, Harper came home, and there was indeed rejoicing and gratitude across the land. Maybe in all of life, there is an element of waiting. If we're able to see it, it's an opportunity, a chance to pause and prepare to expect and to know that God is at work and is among us.
name is Josh Bryan, and I haven't had an uninterrupted night's sleep since January 31st, 2016. Technically, it was January 29th, but I'm not here to complain about my lack of rest, um, though I will if you'll listen after the service. Um, no, I'm here to talk about waiting to become a parent, waiting to become a father, and waiting to have a baby. Waiting to become a parent is not something I ever thought I'd have to do. I rather pompously believed that parenting was waiting on me. Uh, Annie and I, my wife, and I had a plan. We'd have three kids, maybe four if we were feeling crazy. And we'd have them every two years. Well, two years into trying to have just one, we didn't even have a blip on the radar. So test and procedure and procedure and test later, we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which as diagnoses go, it's very unhelpful and not very descriptive. Uh, but it did lead us to IVF, or in vitro fertilization. And boom, on the first try, we had sweet baby James. We assumed our problems were solved. We'd have our 3.5 kids that easy. And so when that two-year time period came around, we, we thought it would be that easy. And so try after try after try, we soon realized that that was not the case. And to make a very long story short, we ended up with uh, trying out gestational surrogacy. For those of you who don't know what gestational surrogacy is, to put it bluntly, it's like finding a stranger to carry your baby for you. I was about as hopeful for the process as I am that the Jaguars will win the Super Bowl <laughs> this year. But in what has become one of the most God-obvious moments of our life, uh, a family of such love and compassion and uh, selflessness came into our life. And wonderful, possibly angelic, Ashley Gruno carried our embryo, and that's how we got sweet Emmeline. Or for those of you here for baptism, might better know her as very loud, loud Emmeline. <laughs> now waiting to have a baby and waiting to become a parent may not be the same thing as waiting to be ransomed or other sort of other more serious forms of waiting, but there seem to be some universal truths to waiting. First, as, as Kathy also said, you don't wait alone. One of the most unbelievable parts of this whole process was discovering how many people we knew were going through or had been through the exact same thing. So much so, it makes me question if there's not something in the water. And secondly, in the midst of waiting, there are these God-touched spots of time of such unexplicable goodness to help us through the times of waiting. For us, it was people like Dr. Freeman and Ashley and William Gruno. And finally, I hope I can explain this one well enough, but waiting somehow in and of itself helps produce the good that we're waiting on. It makes it sweeter, yes, but it also helps actually create the good that we're waiting on. If Anne and I's plan had worked, if our Excel spreadsheet had come to life, then James would not be James, and Emmeline would not be Emmeline. And they are two kids I'm very thankful to have waited for. Now if I could just figure out why I'm still waiting on a good night's sleep, I'd be all set.
Good morning, I'm Hillary Shipp. 18 years ago, while we were stationed in Germany, I was eagerly awaiting the birth of our first child. <clears throat> but true to form, for those of you who know Jessica, everything happens in her time, and she decided to show up six and a half weeks early in the ice and snow while her father was stationed in Iraq. <clears throat> However, her birth under these conditions was actually wonderful. It could not have been any better, and her father got to hear her first cry on a satellite phone from a rooftop in Baghdad. By the next morning, I was very concerned, because the night before, when I had had her, I was able to reach out and touch her little face once before they very quickly whisked her off to the children's hospital, which was several blocks away from where I was. I realized I was in a holding pattern. It would be a wait before Brian could get a plane out of Baghdad and back to Germany. It would be a wait before my mother could change her flight from Texas and fly in. It would even be a wait before I could get a hospital car to drive me around to wherever my child was. <laughs> Why? Why was God making me wait? Where was he? Didn't he know that I needed his strength when I went to the hospital? Didn't he know how terrified I was that I wouldn't even recognize my own child? Didn't he know I needed him surrounding me now more than ever while I waited for my family to come? Where was God? Okay, of course you all know he was there with me the whole time, and it just took some waiting for me to realize all of that. A couple of months later, Brian was back in Iraq, my mother was back in Texas, <clears throat> and me being me, was shopping downtown in Germany with my new baby. I was walking around as I heard a voice suddenly call out, Frau Schipp! Now, I get called Mrs. Schipp a lot in grocery stores and in Walmart. As a teacher, you get this, but not Frau Schipp. I turned around and I saw one of the young OB nurses who had been with me that day that Jessica arrived. She ooed and awed over how beautiful and healthy Jessica was, and we chatted about what she'd been doing since her apprenticeship. Before she left, she said, oh, Frau Ship, God is good. And I smiled as I looked at her, and I said, yes, 
Yes, he is good, and he's worth the wait. ever wondered why it was that Jesus came when he did, or why he didn't come sooner than he did? Why did the people of God have to wait so long? Might history have looked different if God had become incarnate back with Adam and Eve before everything went wrong? Might history have looked different if Jesus had come right when people began to expect a Messiah before ideas about who the Messiah should be proliferated into impossible expectations? Might history have looked different if Jesus had come when people were paying attention, rather than coming to a people who, though they came into being through him, yet they knew him not? Well, such speculation, of course, is fruitless. But the mind of someone waiting on God can't help but wonder from time to time about God's timing. Some Christians embrace the mystery of God too little, supposing they know all the answers to God and faith. And some Christians embrace the mystery of God too much, unwilling to ever make a meaningful statement about God. But Christians of all sorts tend to agree on the mystery of God's timing. We make a plan and God laughs, chuckles the enthusiastic young man, happy about the unexpected way his life has unfolded. God only knows, whispers the wise grandmother, who has seen more detours over the years than she ever could have imagined, some of them scenic, some of them monotonous, some of them painful. 
it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus told the disciples just prior to his ascension into heaven, eager though they were for it all to be over, weary though they were from playing the waiting game, anxious though they were for the dissolution of the tension that comes from longing for the final culmination of the kingdom of God. There's no escape from the waiting that is germane to the Christian life. God's people have always been waiting. First, we waited for the Messiah to come, and now we're waiting for Christ to come again. So whatever else we know or don't know about God, we certainly know what we don't know. God's timeline resides only in God's own mind. And so as the people of God, we wait. It's what we do. We wait as an act of trust in God, who both reveals enough of the divine self to prove trustworthy and who remains clothed in enough mystery to require trust to be known and loved. I'm afraid there's no other way. We know enough about God to believe, but not enough about God to take over control of the timeline of our lives. We know enough to trust God, but not enough to know exactly what the future holds. But though as the people of God we wait, we don't wait around. We don't waste the waiting as though it had nothing to teach us, nothing to offer us. Surely God would not ask us to wait if God did not want to employ the waiting for our benefit and growth. Nor do we wait placidly with crestfallen faces as those sedated helplessly before a divine clockmaker whose history ticks along with merciless, repetitive indifference. No, we wait with beckoning voices, engaging the God who wants to be known in the waiting. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come. We wait on the edge of our seats, poised to see God's promises unfold, poised to leap into the work that the Spirit is doing in the world. We wait like a watchman who waits for morning, eyes glued to the gradually illuminating horizon, attentive to the subtle changes in color all around us that are new every morning. This Advent, we have been waiting for Christ, waiting with expectation, believing that there's more to be done, more to be learned, more to be known. And now it's the fourth Sunday of Advent. Christmas is nigh. This particular season of waiting, at least, is drawing to a close. So let us make haste and go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. Because whatever else we may not know about God or God's time, we do know the Lord Jesus Christ, word of the Father now in flesh appearing and in the end, knowing Christ is what we really need to know.
knowing Christ, is enough to see us through whatever it is we're waiting on. Alleluia and thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, now is the time in which we present to God our tithes and offerings. Though we will not be passing the offering plates, the offering boxes remain in place at the doors, and there is also a QR code on the back of your bulletin that you can scan if you want to give online. Let us now return to God a portion of God's many blessings to us. Will you please pray with me? God of abundance, we thank you for providing each of us with what we need. Everything that we have is given to us through your grace. Therefore, we ask that you will give us generous hearts and that we will use these blessings given to us out of your hands to also bless others. Take these gifts, God, and put them to good use in our midst. Help us to use these gifts to point to your love, grace, and hope in our broken world and society. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.
The following prayers were written by the great Swiss theologian Karl Barth as his pastoral prayers for Advent when he was serving a little church in rural Switzerland early in his life. Let us pray together. Lord, may you now let us this year once more approach the light, celebration, and joy of Christmas Day, which brings us face to face with the greatest thing there is, your love, with which you so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that all of us may believe in him and therefore not be lost, but may have eternal life. What could we possibly bring and give to you? So much darkness in our human relationships and in our own hearts, so much coldness and defiance, so much carelessness and hatred, so much over which you cannot rejoice that separates us from one another and certainly cannot help us, so much that runs directly against the message of Christmas. What should you possibly do with such gifts? And what are you to do with such people as we all are? But all of this is precisely what you want to receive from us and take from us at Christmas, the whole of ourselves, just as we are, in order to give us in return Jesus, our Savior, and in him a new heaven and a new earth, new hearts and a new desire, new clarity and a new hope for us and for all people. Lord, give to many, to all, to us as well, that we may celebrate Christmas in complete thankfulness, utter humility, and then in complete joy and confidence, we may come to the one whom you have sent and in whom you yourself have come to us. Have mercy also on all those who either do not yet or do not fully know you and your kingdom, who perhaps once knew everything and have either forgotten, misunderstood, or even denied it. Have mercy on all of humankind, who today are once again especially plagued, threatened, and haunted by so much foolishness. Enlighten the thoughts of those in both the East and the West who are in power, and who, as appears to be the case, are today in complete confusion and despair. Give the rulers and representatives of the people, the judges, teachers, and bureaucrats, give even the newspaper reporters in our homeland the insight and sobriety that are necessary for their responsible work. Place the right, necessary, and helpful words on the lips of those who preach during this Christmas season, and open then also the ears and hearts of those who hear them. Comfort and encourage those who are sick, both in body and spirit, in the hospitals as well as the prisoners, and those who are distressed, abandoned, or despairing. Help them with what alone can truly help them and all of us, the clarity of your word and the quiet work of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that we are permitted to know that we do not pray or will never pray to you in vain. We thank you that you have let your light rise, that it shines in the darkness and that the darkness will not overcome it. We thank you that you are our God, that we may be your people. Be among us once again on this final Sunday before the celebration. Together prepare to receive him as your gift. 
Make it so that we may rightly speak, hear, and pray in proper thankful amazement about everything that you have in mind for all of us, that you have already decided regarding all of us, and that you have already done for all of us. We offer you our prayers in the name of Christ, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends in Christ, I charge you now to go out into the world in peace. Be of good courage and hold fast to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, and help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And remember Christ's promise. I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with and abide with each one of you, both now and forevermore. Alleluia. Amen. <laughs>